and welcome to The Juice and the Squeeze. I'm Julia Strand here with my co-host, Jonathan Peel. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Julia. Uh, we are sneaking up on back to school time. Oh, when boy. Do you, uh, when <laughs> do you go? Is it, is it like, it's like uh, air quotes, back to air quotes, yeah. school. Yes. Yeah. Back to, well, at least a change in routine. Right. Um, when, when does Wash U start? Uh, uh, well, you'd think that'd be an easy question. Um, there's a staggered start. And so, um, some people are starting at the end of August and then, um, a lot of people are starting mid September. So the class I'm teaching is, is September 14th. Okay. Uh, yeah, same as us. And in, in what format are you teaching it? That's a good question. So my initial plan was to do a hybrid, uh, which is our new favorite word in higher education. Um, and, uh, I was pretty comfortable. Um, if everyone was distanced and wearing masks, I didn't mind showing up to a big classroom and, and talking and drawing on the board. Uh, and I thought, well, if people, um, you know, don't feel comfortable coming, that's fine. And we can kind of like coordinate a Zoom aspect. And I knew it would be hard, but I was, I was, I was game for it. I thought we could make it happen with this particular class. And then, um, I actually, I spent a, a couple of days, um, spending time with, uh, some family, which is a whole other story, but I, I wore a mask for two days, uh, and there were so many, um, speech intelligibility challenges, uh, that I, that I really worried about, um, being on Zoom with a, with a mask and people wouldn't be able to, to hear me, right? Uh, and so then I went from trying to make this, uh, more accessible and more helpful to everyone to, to worrying that I was going to now make it really less accessible to everyone because they wouldn't be able to understand me. This is ironic because, because as you know, uh, in my lab, we study speech intelligibility and challenging listening situations, but I was like, so focused on the health stuff. I was like, oh, it'll be fine. And and now I think it won't be fine. So we're doing everything online. It's going to be online only, uh, which I think will be better for audio quality and just keeping everyone on the same page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a funny time to be someone who studies, uh, audiovisual integration of speech, right? Yeah. So I study how one of the things that it might, we do in my lab is how being able to see the talker changes, you know, your, your auditory experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I have been, yeah, really struck at just how much masks impair, um, impair intelligibility. I mean, I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't be given, mm -hmm. given what I right. study, but it does, it does make a really big difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in, I did the, the learning and teaching center at Carleton did a simulated classroom experience where they had a bunch of faculty, um, in a room six feet apart, wearing masks with an instructor. And then I was zooming in, uh, playing the role of, you know, like a student who wasn't back on campus or mm -hmm. who was in quarantine or something like that. Um, and so the, the professor was wearing a mask and lecturing and, you know, we had like kind of a funny angle of where her computer was set up so we could like kind of see her and kind of see the slides. Uh, and, and I was really struck at how much worse it was mm -hmm. than just a record, like an online lecture that was recorded and mm -hmm. planned to be, you know, planned to be recorded. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I'm also doing fully online. Um, it, it was funny at, at one point in that simulated classroom, all of the students moved I'm, I'm doing quotes around students in case you, all, all of the faculty pretending to be yeah, students yeah. Um, moved from like a large classroom to a discussion kind of classroom. And when that happened, everything got shut down except those of us who were playing the role of simulated students sitting at home. Uh -huh. And when all of the in-class people left and it was just like the five of us 
in Zoom the way that we're used to and it was like quiet and we could understand each other and no mm-hmm. one was wearing masks, mm-hmm. we all kind of breathed just the sigh of relief. And we're like, yeah. oh, wow, we can actually really understand each other this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the point at which I was like, yep, this is, this yeah, is how yeah. I'm going to do it. Which is to say, I'm sure there are ways of doing this effectively I, you know, for people who are choosing or being forced to, um, to, to teach in a hybrid way, I'm sure there are ways to, uh, to make it work for the class that I'm teaching and the population that I'm teaching. I'm, that, that's the, the choice that I made. Yeah. So a couple other thoughts. So first of all, if people didn't see those on Twitter, you, you made a teaser trailer for your class. Oh yeah. <laughs> which, which I'll, I, we'll link to in the show notes, but I thought that was uh, very impressive. Thank um, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, uh, uh, turns out I really like making goofy videos uh-huh. and it's the kind of thing you that were born for COVID teaching. I was, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, boy, I was born for in person. I just, I love seeing their faces, mm-hmm, but if I can't mm-hmm. see their faces, I can at least, uh, bring together my two loves, which are action movies and <laughs> teaching. Uh-huh. Um, but it's also the kind of thing. So I made that in like two evenings you know, while watching movies yeah. at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the kind of thing that I can kind of do mindlessly with half a brain. And mm-hmm. so that's nice because that's time when I couldn't work anyway. I mean, you know, my brain doesn't work very well in the evening. So right. it's fun to be able to channel it into something like that. And, and I also just like really want to reassure my students that uh, I don't, I feel like it's a gesture that's like, Hey, I'm going to work really hard to make this fun and interesting for you. And Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I, so, so much in life is uh, with communication. I mean, I know that people know this, but it's, it's, there, there are multiple levels to it, right? Like you're communicating that you care and that you're going to try and that you're thinking about them because you're trying to make it interesting. And it's not mm-hmm. just about like, I mean, presumably they're signed up for your class already. So you're like not trying to recruit people, um, mm-hmm. but you're communicating a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Uh, there were a couple of messages on, on Twitter after I posted it that people were like, oh, wow, now I'm, now I'm really nervous about my own online oh, teaching, or yeah. I could never do this or something. And I tried to respond to as many of those as I saw being like, no, no, no. Being a good online teacher is not about making right. ridiculous trailers for your class. It's about being thoughtful and open to your students and, you know, being, being mindful of what they're going through and putting mm-hmm. together a careful lesson plan and, and all of that. So I think, um, I do not think it is necessary to do that kind of silly, flashy, extra stuff, um, for classes. I just happen to think it's fun. Yeah. Well, I have to say, so I, I had that, I felt a little bit inadequate too, if I had to be honest, um, just between you and me, but I just didn't tweet about it. I I, I was inspired. Let's put it that way. How about that? Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. That makes me want to just make these things, but then not share them on Twitter. (laughs) No, 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 no. Well, uh, anyway, we're, we're, um, this is all unscripted by the way, dear listener. Uh, no, <laughs> I think it's good though, because I think, um, a lot of us, so it was, it was, it was inspiring to me because a lot of us are figuring out how to do online teaching. And so just seeing the diversity of what people do, like yeah. why reinvent the wheel? And it, it yeah. honestly, for me, um, uh, uh, it's not so much that like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a bad person. Cause I didn't do a teaser trailer. I was just like, Oh wow. You know, I appreciate that. Here's someone. Um, who happens to be someone I know who's like thinking about how to um, uh, take advantage of, of this new format, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you're being creative and you're, and you're caring and you're trying. And, and that was, that was really good for me. So, so don't, oh, don't, 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 don't let the, uh, anyway, please keep posting this stuff. Cause I think it's right, really useful. Right. Okay. Um, I, I also um, have been invited to and seen lots of things about like, 
how to teach online webinars and readings. And, you know, I've been like putting, putting some effort in on seeing what other people have done and what, you know, what the best practices, general recommendations are and things. Um, but what I have found I have gotten the most out of is seeing like little snippets of what other people have done. Um, and having kind of like a, you know, like a showcase of, Hey, I did this thing and it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I'm not terribly interested in spending time having lots of long con free form conversations about it yeah. because what I find, yeah, I get the most out of it is just being like, Oh, it never occurred to me that you could X, Y, Z. That's a great idea. Well, I, I really like what, um, you know, what Carlton did and like put you in the role of a student, because I think, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's been a long time since I did that. And I think you just know when you try something from the other side of the whatever desk, you know, from the other perspective, then you're like, oh, this worked and this didn't work. And it's kind of obvious, but when you're trying to make it up, you don't always know. Totally. Yeah. One of the things that I was really struck by when I was not in the classroom and almost everybody else was, um, was that little things would happen in the classroom that I didn't understand, right? Like there was a funny noise or somebody dropped something and everybody laughed. Mm -hmm. And, but I didn't like, I didn't know what was happening. And at a couple points I was even like, what's, what's going on? And somebody was like, oh, it's nothing. It's, It's not important. Right. And I was like, yeah, but you're all doing this thing. And but I'm it just, is important, you know, right? In the yeah. corner. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is. Even if it's not yeah. important to like the classroom stuff, right. it's like, uh, I was really surprised at how kind of like isolating it, mm-hmm. it made it, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was super useful because I was like, all right, if, if I am in this sitting setting, I know that people who are, you know, the people who are sitting at home want to know everything that's going on. And it makes them feel mm-hmm. lonely to say, don't worry about it. It's not important. Mm-hmm. One thing that I did do, I, so I did this back in, um, uh, in, in March or whenever we, you know, went online, uh, then, and I, I'm doing it again this semester is I sent out a survey to my class. I had, you know, well, this, this semester is before, before we start. Um, mm-hmm. and I put in a couple of like, well, anyway, some open ended questions, but, but really just, um, trying to see where they're, where they're at and what their concerns are, because I can make up what I think they're worried about. But, but I don't really know. And so just asking them anonymously to share what they're thinking, um, mm-hmm. was really useful. And so like last semester, um, I got a lot, I, it was a big class, big lecture class. And a lot of people were like, oh, it's kind of annoying, but it's fine. But then, but then there were people who were like, I don't have regular access to a computer or, you know, I, I I'm not sleeping well because I'm really worried about my family or what, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and because it's anonymous, I hope. So on, on the one hand, anonymous means I can't always follow up with people. Um, directly, but I hope it means that they're willing to share and it gives me a better sense of where people are at, right? Where yeah. I think if you're, if I'm looking at all of them on Zoom and I say, how's everybody doing? Uh, very few people are going to share with the whole class, like, uh, you know, I'm really stressed out in, in my, you know, whatever, family's yeah. sick yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'll link to that too. Not that, I mean, I, I, so I posted this on Twitter, um, and not that my questions are perfect, so I'm happy for suggestions, but I think, uh, anyway, it's been really useful for me and also just to kind of orient me towards, you know, towards thinking in, in that, in that mindset. Mm-hmm. One other thing that I, I want to, to, um, circle back, but Julia, when we talked about online conferences, you mentioned Gather, uh, mm-hmm. which is, a uh, uh, how would you, well, how would you describe it? It's awesome. Well, yeah, I know. I know. But oh, you want more detail than that? Okay. It's, <laughs> it is, uh, I have described it as being like Zoom, except 
you have a little avatar on a screen that you get to move around in a digital environment. And when your avatar gets close to other avatars, then you can see people's little Zoom screen faces and hear their voices. But if your avatar is far away from them, you can't. So mm-hmm. it enables you to navigate around a digital landscape and in a free form way, interact with people uh, where you control how long the interaction lasts. And it's awesome. Yeah. And so I was, we talked about this in the context of conferences, which, which also sounds good. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm using it for, I'm planning on using it for two things. Uh, the first is class. So in my, in my class, we have some small group time. And in person, what I would do is I would have everyone go to a table and work in a group. And then I would circulate and kind of check in. How are you guys doing? Do you have any questions? You know, and I was, I was, stressed out about how I would do this online or in a hybrid format. And then I realized I could just use gather, yeah, which is free for like groups of up to 50. And my class mm-hmm. is under 50. Uh, and so I'm just going to tell everyone to go to, you know, every group, find a little corner of the screen. And I can do the same thing where I circle around and, mm-hmm. and check in on everyone. Um, and I've been, so I've been like playing around with this in, in lab meetings uh, and it's, it's worked great. So I've been super mm-hmm. happy with it. And the other thing we're doing is I struggle a lot with uh, thinking about, um, well, everyone in the lab, but especially like undergraduate students and especially ones who have not been in the lab before. Uh, they want to join, they want to help with research. But it, you know, a lot of the benefit of being in a lab comes from the interactions of people. And so if they, if I say, yes, you're in the lab, now go to your room on Zoom and do your own thing, uh, it's not very helpful. So I think we're going to have a lab gather space. Where, you know, um, at least students should just like hang out there when they're in the lab. Mm-hmm. And that way they can do the pop in, right? You can like, they can go ask someone a question and then go away to mm-hmm. do work. And I can also do the walk around, you know, where, where I go around, hey, how's it going? Do you have any questions? Um, and just kind of check in with people really informally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we haven't actually started that yet because the semester hasn't started, but I'm really excited about that. I think it's going to work well based on what we've done so far. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm also planning to use it for for class. Mm-hmm. Um and and every time every time I get an email about like, oh, the, you know, junior faculty are having a social event or whatever, I always am like, hmm, but do you really want to meet in Zoom or could we meet in Gather instead? Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. yeah. Yep. Good. And a- as a side note, I, I I like the audio quality better than Zoom. I don't know if you've noticed that, but to me it seems better. I don't know. I um I have noticed yeah I, I I think it is too I wish the video was bigger but yep. you know um also I have found that the the quality seems to be a lot better in Firefox than in other browsers oh really I don't know if that's okay. something that's going to be stable or whatever but um yeah the video quality seems better in hashtag pro tip <laughs> <laughs> yeah good oh and, and so we'll put a li- it's gather dot town and mm-hmm. we'll put a link in the show notes which are at juiceandsqueeze dot net slash twenty six. Um, when you were talking about your your survey, um, it made me think about a, a thing that I tried this year that I thought was pretty helpful, which is, so um, in, in the spring, so whenever I teach, I do uh, a little kind of mini evaluation after two weeks. That's just like a two question, what's working? What are you having trouble with? Um, and then I do a midterm evaluation, then I do like an end of term evaluation. But I wanted to be getting like more regular feedback um, in spring term. And so in addition to those, um, I also set up uh, in our course management system, what I call the suggestion box, which is basically just an anonymous, open, tell me anything anonymously um, Mm. uh, spot. And um, 
And people didn't use it a ton at first, and I encouraged it more and then, you know, got got more throughout the term. Um, but it was really useful for things um, like, uh, you know, like students being like, I'm not comfortable saying who I am, but I want you to know that I'm really struggling and I appreciate it that dot, 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 or mm-hmm. it would be helpful if dot, dot, dot. Um, and I think it's nice. It's It's a nice way of signaling both that you care and are like willing to change things as needed, um, and also where they can give you input if they're not comfortable talking to you about it directly. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your online course management system? Use Moodle. Okay, which I don't know. We have Canvas, but but I could also imagine. I mean, you can just do a Google form and link to it or yeah, whatever totally. too. So yeah, yeah, okay. and just like hey, anytime you want to let me know something, mm-hmm. put, it, put it here. Mm-hmm. Um. So one of one of the things that um that I was worried about with online teaching, and it did in fact turn out to be a concern, is that even if you can deliver content in just the same, um, that you can deliver the same like quality and amount of content uh, online, right? I can still show the same slides and tell the same stories and have them do the same assignments. Mm-hmm. Um, that one of the things that is really hard to do online is simulate like the conversations that you have when you're walking into the building at the same time yeah. as students and the like milling around in the 10 minutes before it starts and the random mm-hmm. questions people come up and ask you afterwards. And, and, and even like, you know, I'm getting a cup of coffee at the campus center and I see a student who's in my class and they say, Hey, I was thinking about this thing you said, you know, and, and a lot of, and, and like, I love those interactions. And I feel like that's where a lot of community building happens. Um, and a lot of like making personal connections with students happens. And so I was really worried about finding ways to simulate that. Um, so what I tried was um, I had I had all of my classes start uh, 20 minutes later than they were supposed to. Um, because I was having students, in addition to doing all the reading that they would have done, uh, they were also watching like 20-minute lectures ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that they would have done in class. And so I was like, okay, we'll take that time and I'll give it back to you. Um, also, it was a morning class, and it meant that they could sleep in another 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But I said, class is going to officially start 20 minutes after when it's supposed to, but uh, I will be in our Zoom room starting when class is supposed to. And so if you want to just come and hang out and talk with me about anything, no structure, totally optional. Mm. I'll just be sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was pretty nice because people would just show up early and talk about their weekends and mm-hmm. ask random questions. Um, I like that. How big was your class? Uh, 35. Uh-huh. Um, and I had a good, you know, handful of students, um, and, and a, and a nice kind of rotating cast, mm-hmm. um, who came early. Um, then I also had weekly tea times in, uh, like TEA times, uh, in gather town after class on Fridays. It was just like, let's hang out. We can talk about stuff related to sensation and perception or not. Um, but again, just intended to be like a, socializing, hanging out. And I had it in gather. So it was, um, uh, I don't know, see more casual and mm-hmm. people were running around the screen with their little avatars. And stuff. I was going to say, so, um, sorry for like needling you about the details, but I'm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking obviously about, about this myself when you did those tea times did, yeah. Was everyone clumped together with you or did they kind of also go off and do their own, have their own conversations? Mostly clumped together, but there was, there was some, there was some running off if somebody like started talking about something they were like oh wait i have the follow-up did you you know mm-hmm, there was mm-hmm. a little running off but mostly it was a small enough group that we were we were clumped together 
Um, and that was actually pretty fun. There was one, there was one time where I had, I had like gone for a run in our arboretum and they had been doing a controlled burn mm. and somebody else who was on campus was talking about it. And I was like, Oh yeah, I noticed that too. And then one of the people who was, who was at home said, Oh, you know, my dad used to work for the DNR and he knows a lot about controlled burns. Hey dad, come teach us about controlled burns. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and so her dad like came and hung out with us for a while and yeah, it was, it was super fun. And so, um, that, that I think, uh, the, the students who came to that, I feel like I got to know better and, you know, got a much mm-hmm. better sense of, mm-hmm. um, Okay, so I did coming to the room early, um, doing the, the tea times. Uh, I also, to, to book appointments with me, I use a service called You Can Book Me, which lets students book appointments with me um, at any time I have told my Google Calendar that they want to. Um, and I really emphasize that I want them to come and meet with me. That I like talking to students, especially now I'm an extrovert and I don't get enough social interaction because the world is shut down. Um, and so uh, I like, I always emphasize that they should be able to come meet with me, but I like especially emphasized it spring term mm-hmm. um, to really try to make it clear that I was there for them and I wanted to talk to them. And, um, uh, and, and, and I even emphasized like, you don't have to say I'm totally stuck and I can't understand something on the reading. Can you help me with it? You know, you can just come and be like, boy, hearing is cool. What made you excited about studying hearing? Mm-hmm. You know that I'm happy mm-hmm. to just like have those kinds of conversations too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think with like a lot of, a lot of messaging of, I care, I want to know how you're doing. That's why I have this suggestion box. That's why I do all of these, you know, uh, evaluations. Um, uh, one, one of the lines that I usually use is if you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if I should talk to Julia about this, or I wonder if I should come see Julia about this. Remember, I made it really, really easy for you to book appointments with me anytime that it's convenient. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done that if I didn't want to talk to you. Right. Um, and of course, you know, it's also important to protect our time. And I only book appointments when it is actually, I, I only make appointments available in times where I actually can want to right. meet with right. students. Um, so, so there's a, there's a line, um, about being accessible versus putting yourself, you know, making yourself so accessible, you can't get anything else done. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, finding, finding that spot, I think can be, can be really helpful for students who are having a tough time. Yep. I just want to interject um, a couple of things. So first of all, uh, uh, in addition to you can book me, so I use Calendly, which is similar and also free and has uh, been like a a total game changer for all of my meetings. Uh, And so basically, like if my department chair emails me and says, can you meet? I write back and say, yes, and I, I just do it. But for everyone else, I just write back and say, here's my link. Please pick a time. Uh, and that's been so useful, especially, I don't know, especially, but, you know, uh, my schedule now is not like a standard nine to five. And so <laughs> it's really hard to communicate to people when I'm free or not. And like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm home with three kids and two babies. And so like, when the babies are eating, it's a not a good time to meet. But that might change from this week to next week. So I can't just say like one o'clock is always a good time. Actually, maybe one thirty is better. So I if I just adjust my calendar. Um, uh, it, you know, cause, because well, we're getting into the details now, which is not interesting to people, but like Calendly looks at my calendar and won't book, won't double book me. So I can just put an event that's like, I need to feed the babies from one to one thirty, And then you can't meet with me then, which is fine. No one, and no one needs to know that I don't have to like email back and be like, here's my reasons. And here's what just like sign up for a time. 
So mm-hmm. it's great for everyone, but also for, for students. And I think for, you know, if we have like office hours, um, actually that's another question for you is how you do office hours. But if you say like by appointment, you know, like here's a link, please sign up. Right. And you can also have, um, uh, you know, control over, yeah, what hours you give. So people aren't signing up at 11 PM or, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so actually, yeah, let me, let me pivot to that. Do you, what do you do for office hours? So uh, when we were on campus, I first just said, you know, my office hours are these hours of the day. You can come and see me. And then I, when I started doing You Can Book Me, I said, these are my office hours, or you can make an appointment if office hour times don't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found was once people were able to book me, nobody ever came to just the free open office mm-hmm. hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked, I asked some students about it, and they were like, oh, yeah, well, during office hours, there might be somebody else there, and I'll have to wait. But I know if it's an appointment that, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. be free then. Um, and so after several terms of, like, literally nobody coming to free open office yep. hours, um, yep. I just stopped having regularly scheduled ones and said, when are office hours? Whenever you need them. Here's, you know, here's mm-hmm. how you book them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think um, that uh, being able to just click a link and sign up is a much lower barrier to being willing to do it. Yeah. Then if you say by appointment and don't give any other information, I feel like students are like, well, how do I make an appointment? Right. Do, do I just yep. email? Do I have to have an excuse? Um, but everybody knows how to fill out an online form. And so I think it makes it easier for students, especially students who kind of don't know the structure of academia and what the rules are yeah. Um, to, yeah. to, to, to do it. Um, I, I also talk a lot about in my classes about what office hours are for mm. and why they should come. I think there is a misperception among students that office hours are like, I don't know, like remedial or like mm-hmm. if you were smart and working hard, you wouldn't need them or something, which is just nonsense. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so I will say things like, you know, like uh, if you have these kinds of questions about course content, if you want to talk about your future, if you just want to, you know, talk about how awesome perception is and isn't it fun, you have an interest that is related, but we didn't quite cover in class, you want to follow up information. Um or if you just need somebody to talk to about something, you know, uh-huh. office hours are a fine, a, a, a good use of that. Um, I also, in some of my classes, will say, come up with an example of a question that you should make an appointment in office hours to talk about, uh, send me an email about, catch me quick after class about, or Google. Mm-hmm. Um, to try and, like, coach people into being like, okay, there are lots of kinds of questions that I could have. I should not make an appointment to ask Julia the definition of something. Mm-hmm. I should not make an appointment if I just want to say, hey, what was that paper that you mentioned? I want the citation for it. But, you know, if I have these kinds of questions, that's what I that's what I do make an appointment for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think also doing some of that kind of training of like, when do you go and talk to a professor versus Googling versus emailing um, is also really useful. Again, especially for students who don't know, you know, who, who don't have as much experience in academia or are first gen or, you know, just haven't. Um, haven't or first year students uh, and just don't know what all the what all the the rules are. What do they call mm-hmm. it? The hidden the hidden curriculum. Right. Yep. Yeah. How about you? What do you do for office hours? Good question. Uh, so pre COVID, I I had exactly the same thing. Uh, you know, an hour per week where I was in my office, I would actually I would have a few people who would come, and I kind of like the principle of. Like in in theory, I would be like, my door is always open. Come talk to me anytime. Um, but but in in practice, that's hard. And I have meetings, and you know, you you have to kind of give people a, uh, you know, I want to have some dedicated time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also did have signups for 
for meetings, but not as much as I would have expected, to be honest. So I, I, I like your idea of um, really being explicit with people and encouraging them and also kind of talking you know, about, like, here are the different ways to contact me and here's what's appropriate and just sort of making that explicit instead of letting people figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, this semester, so this, you know, so the, I'm teaching a, a brain imaging methods class this coming semester, and it's a heavy focus on a paper discussion and group work, um, which I really enjoy, especially in person. And I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about it, even online, especially with Gather. Um, but I feel like it's, it's a little bit unscripted. So, like, I feel like in a traditional lecture class, there's like, you know, as we've talked about, you know, I have information to communicate via slides and me talking, and then I and then I need to know if that's working and help you understand it. But this semester is very different. This is sort of like, hey, let's hang out and talk about stuff, and whatever direction the the conversation goes is okay. So I'm hoping, I mean, I'll still have office hours, but I'm hoping that by like dropping in on people's groups and just having mm-hmm. more interaction because it's a smaller class that will sort of take up the, uh, you know, kind of pick up the slack for, um, um, for those one-on-one discussions. So Julia, I just want to go back to like a bigger question of, I, I think more for lecture classes, uh, you know, how do you decide what you pre-record and what you do live or, you know, mm-hmm. what's, or, or maybe, you know, to use the, the buzzwords, what, what's synchronous versus asynchronous in your teaching mm-hmm. and how do you think about that? Yeah. So, so what I did in the spring and is, um, pretty, pretty similar, um, to, to what I'll do in the fall is I pre-recorded short lectures that were about 20 minutes long, um, that built on what they read about. So they had an assigned reading, they watched my 20 minute lecture, um, and then they had daily quizzes that covered the, the reading and the lecture. Um, and so the purpose of quizzes is that, uh, it incentivizes them to do the work ahead of time. They're low stakes, um, assessments that are supposed to, you know, deter procrastination. Um, it is also intended to ensure that when they come to class, they are prepared. So I don't have to, um, you know, in, in, in live classes, I don't have to like recover stuff we talked about in the reading. Cause I know if they have done the reading quiz and they get to class, you know, they, they have some sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it also gives them, uh, some immediate feedback about whether they actually understood the information that they were supposed to. Mm-hmm. So then during the synchronous time, um, they come to class armed with what they have read and watched already. And I spent all of class time doing uh, small group work. So, so, you know, like a flipped classroom. Um, so in dur- during the synchronous time, they were working in small groups with me popping in occasionally or there to answer questions. Um, uh, solving problems, answering questions, designing studies, evaluating research methods, you know, doing uh, little very specific kinds of assignments and problems together collaboratively as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they had problems, they would, you know, ask for help and I would pop into their rooms and, and talk with them about it. Um, I also recorded uh, answers to um, the, the problem set questions so that after they got through everything, they watched these very short, like three minute long videos of me going kind of quickly through the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I set it up that way because I wanted it to uh, be able to degrade gracefully. Have we? T- did we talk about the escalator metaphor on this no, podcast before? No, I don't. Okay. Well, I don't remember if we did. Yeah. Okay. So, so graceful degradation is a phrase that my husband, the computer programmer, introduced me to, which is the idea that when uh, if something degrades gracefully, it means that when it breaks, it it doesn't break spectacularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, an example of something that does not degrade gracefully is an elevator, because when it doesn't work, it's just a hole in the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas an escalator, when it stops working, is still stairs, which Mm -hmm. are still pretty great. And so um, I had that in mind when I was when I was making this class that I wanted, like, I had this idea that we were going to do this synchronous content together. But I wanted it to be the case where if something went wrong, like a student gets sick, or their internet punks out or whatever, they still were able to, you know, kind of do it. And so the way that I the the way that I had it set up means that even if they couldn't come to class at the scheduled time, they could still do the reading, watch the video. They could do the problem set on their own, and they could get the answers on their own too. And then mm-hmm. ask me asynchronously as they had questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so almost all of my students um, did like the synchronous, uh, you know, came at the synchronous time. Um, it's actually the the best attendance I have ever had in a class ever. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. almost everyone came to every single class period. Um, but I had a group of students who were on the West Coast of the U.S. or in Mexico um, who were a couple hours uh, earlier. And it was mm-hmm. a 9.15 class and they didn't want to come at 7.15. And this, you know, it's a question I asked on my, my start of term survey um, is, you know, where are you? What time zone? How's that going to work? Mm-hmm. And so I had, a, I had a little pod of students who were my West Coasters who just met and did exactly what I described uh, in the afternoon on their own schedule. And so because the answers were already recorded too, they still had access to all the information. And I would, when I could, you know, pop in and check on them. And we talked a lot over Slack too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that, that really worked well because it meant that class time was just devoted to them working on problems answering me answering questions. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't do any content delivery over zoom. So I didn't do any synchronous lecturing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked pretty well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. And I, I, the, the other thing is, um, you know, sometimes I get people request to audit a class or to sit in on a class, mm-hmm. uh, w- which I'm, I have no problem with, but it gets a little, it can get a little bit tricky with like trying to make sure that the people who are actually enrolled are, um, getting all my attention. And mm-hmm. so I think the idea of like allowing for asynchronous uh, 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 transfer of knowledge, um, right. So it, it is really useful. So like um, I can have all my, I can have all our discussions recorded and available to people. And so they can still benefit from it without sort of like having to join the class full time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you said, for people who, for whatever reason, whether it's time zone or technical or, you know, whatever personal stuff going on at that time can't come to class, then they're not totally left out, which yeah. I think is really important. And uh, that's something I worried a lot about in the, in the spring with like, um, so in the spring I, I went totally asynchronous. I did nothing synchronous um, despite some, you know, encouragement to do so because I was really worried about this issue of accessibility and, you know, for whatever reason, time zones, computers, whatever. And so I thought, well, if I do anything synchronously it's going to disadvantage people who can't show up at that time mm-hmm. um and it's you know you get international students i mean it's ridiculous i think it's ridiculous to assume someone who's not on campus is going to show up at a particular time regularly mm-hmm. yeah. um and so rather than try to try to manage that tension i just said fine everything is asynchronous and then i just have to make that work which was actually okay 
this semester, because it's so heavy on discussion and interaction, I don't feel like that's an option. So mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, so that's what we have, but I'm trying to at least make some of this stuff available for people who, who have to miss. Do you, um, uh, so you mentioned Slack discussions and that's something I've not done much for classes. I did have a, a, a Slack workspace in the spring. And actually I, I thought that was really good about, it was optional and about half the class joined it, but there was, it, it, it felt like a, a, it's a lower, it's a lower barrier for me. So mm-hmm. when I, when I log into to Canvas, which is our, our official university management system, I have to enter my university password. And then if I'm off campus, which I always am, then it's two factor um, authentication. So then they call me. And so just like the barrier to like, Hey, someone sent me a message. Let me see what it is. It's like a, it, it feel, it, it only takes a minute, but it feels like a 10 minute process. <laughs> right. And so yeah. it's just annoying to check. And it's annoying to check from my phone and blah, blah, blah. Slack just sends me a message and I can just like open it up and reply. So I, I like it better. And I, I hope that that makes me more available to people. Um, yeah. but I haven't, I, I haven't done it before. So how do you, how do you integrate like Slack with Moodle and like, how do you decide where you're going to post announcements and things like that? Yeah. So I made Moodle optional in the, or sorry, I made Slack optional in the spring. I think I'm going to make it required and just do all communication there. Um, cause I did all of my like important announcements via Moodle, but, um, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to do everything via Slack because yeah, it's just, it's like, it's easier to use. And it's also, um, I feel like another way of signaling that you want to communicate with students. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I feel like I got many more like kind of quick random questions yeah. on Slack than I would have otherwise. We also had like a, a random um, in our random channel, we had like, Hey, look at this cool thing. I saw on TikTok about perception mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever. That's like related to what we talked about. Um, and so that was a fun venue to be able to share that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I also had a, uh, selfie introduction channel where I gave students the option of like posting a picture and introducing themselves to Mm -hmm. the class, Mm -hmm. which I did to try and help, you know, so people could be like, Oh, you're in this class too, you know, and and those kinds of things. Um, yeah. And I thought it worked. I thought it worked really well. So yeah, I will, I'll continue that. I like that. Now, do you think, and this is getting into the, into the weeds as they say, but, uh, if you run that class again, would you use the same workspace or would you like make a new one so that like, you know what I mean? Like how do you figure out what channels are dedicated to like this term versus next term or, oh, or, I, uh, or I am I overthinking would, it? Yeah. I think I would just make a new one. That's exactly the same. Um, yeah. also for like student confidentiality stuff. I don't yeah, exactly. See what the okay. Posted. Okay. Um, but I would do the, the structure mm-hmm. the same way. Okay. Um, one, one really interesting question that all of this, like, preparing materials, can you do it asynchronously, um, that, that all that brings up is, um, that I've seen some, some buzz about on Twitter as well, is like, it is clear why we each create our own course materials if we are teaching in classrooms, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm like, I'm teaching a Carleton class in a Carleton way to my Carleton students. Um, but if I'm teaching an online version of Sensation of Perception, is it really necessary for everyone who's teaching an online version of Sensation of Perception to, to, yeah. to do all the same stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had I had hoped this spring to make my my entire class like available to anybody who who wants it um, with the interests of just, you know, we don't all have to reinvent the wheel. And I've been teaching this class for 10 years and people might, you know, I wanted to make it easy for people to steal things. Um, 
But given the intense time pressure of spring term and only knowing it was going to be online for, you know, a week, uh, two, two weeks ahead of time, um, I, uh, I wasn't able as I was going to make sure that I had like copyright clearance for like mm-hmm. every animation that I use. Cause right. you know, we get a ton of animations that are like from the textbook publisher that we use at the time or images yeah. out of whatever. And so I didn't have time to like clear all that stuff as I was going. And so I ended up not being able to share it all cause I didn't want to get in copyright trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have had a few people who teach sensation and perception contact me and say, would you be willing to share your materials? And I can give like individual people access to my Moodle page with the students information hidden and all that um and so if anyone's listening i'm happy to share that i just can't share it with everyone Mm -hmm. but for the class that i'm teaching this fall where i have more time to prep um uh and is and is about open science um i'm hoping to just make the entire class available to the whole world for for people to use that's so cool Um, yeah but but i don't buy into the idea that uh, we, sh- you know, that there's no reason for everybody to make their own intro psych class. If you know, like, why why not just make one really good one and everybody use it? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that that makes it seem like what we do as professors is just is is only content delivery, right? right. It's just like right. here are facts. Read the slides, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, because like the way that I teach a class at Carleton would be very different than the way that I would teach a class at the University of Minnesota or a bigger school or a different mm-hmm. school or a school mm-hmm. with a different culture. Um, and so I think those like institution specific things really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also like building rapport with your students and being flexible and, you know, tailoring things to who they are and what's going on in the world at that particular time mm-hmm. um, also really matters. The, the, the forming relationships, the, yep. you know, um, there, there's so many things beyond just here are facts for you. I yep. hope you like them. Yeah. Um, and so I've been, I don't know. I, I bristle a little bit when people say, why am I doing this? Why don't I just use your stuff? Cause I feel like that really undercuts what our, what our role is. So I think, I think that's also a challenge for us as professors too, because I can, it's easy for me to think that my job is making a good set of slides to show the students, which, which it is. But if I got those slides from someone else, then, then it makes it clear that, like, well, I don't have to spend time on that. I can spend more time on having um, interactions and one-on-one discussions and talking about all this other stuff that I think is is, is arguably more important in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, I would love to do something like take your class and teach it here, uh, and then just as almost as an exercise to see that that okay, if you don't have to make the slides and like come up with an order of topics, uh, mm-hmm. you can spend your time like. Have, having discussions and, and interacting with students more. And that's, I think that's the real value. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and maybe people are different, but I remember very few facts from my under, undergraduate classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but I do remember like being inspired about topics. And I remember, you know, there, there were a couple of, a couple of discussions, you know, from a lot of classes that kind of stuck with me, at least in, in some kind of vague gestalty way. You know, they got me interested in, in science and in learning and, and sort of having a questioning mind. And that has like stayed with me. So that's what I think the value of education is not. I mean, yes, the facts can be useful, but especially as an undergraduate, I just felt like I'm not using a lot of that knowledge today in my job, but I am using the like character, personality traits and, and like character, um, character building, uh, whatever experiences 
and the mindset of, you know, yeah, how thank we you. ask questions. Thank you. Yeah. So it kind of pushed me in a good, a really good intellectual direction, even though the facts uh, uh, were, were almost secondary to that. And I, I think that's different for different majors too, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe if you're a computer science major, like, yes, I, I, I still write for loops and that was a super useful skill to learn and that's great. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, uh, I think we do a lot more than that. And I, I like how you're, you know, kind of focusing on that part. Mm-hmm. And, and like the flavor, you know, in, in any class, um, professors are, are selective about what they include, right? Especially a huge survey like intro, mm-hmm. different people teach different things. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and that depends on your experience and kind of like your agenda, right? When I teach mm-hmm. intro psych, it is a lot of methods. It's a lot of open science and replication. It's a lot of, you know, talking about, uh, it is, it is less and less focused on facts and more and more focused on, on process and question mm-hmm. asking. And so even if someone made really interesting slides and was really funny and engaging, but didn't do that, I, I wouldn't want to just take their class and teach right. my students with it because I have a different, you know, right agenda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also, I, you know, the, the more years that I teach, the more I also try to let my own, yeah, I mean, this is sort of related to what you just said, but I kind of let my own like interests and passion be a guide because mm-hmm. I think I'm a better teacher when I, when I know more about something and when I'm mm-hmm. really interested in it. And so, yeah, for a survey class, I used to think I, I am obligated to talk about all 26 chapters in this textbook because <laughs> they bought right. the textbook and because it's a survey class and I, I, you know, and now I, okay, what are the five ones that I care about the most? you know, that I can really go a little bit deeper and sort of enjoy talking about rather than force myself to learn about some topic that I'm going to kind of do badly. Yeah, right. And, and that changes every time you teach it. I mean, at least for me, Mm -hmm. I have like, I've never taught the same class twice, even though I teach the same course, Mm -hmm. you know, multiple times, right? Because like, these, I feel like my classes are, are living and breathing. And I spend the whole year that I'm not teaching the class, uh, you know, every time I see a cool news article or read a study or something that's related, flagging it and being like, oh, you got to incorporate this example next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that also makes me resistant to the idea of like, let's just record one great intro class and then right. that's what everyone can be taught. Because um, mm-hmm. that's what makes teaching fun is, right? Is, right. Is changing it and keeping it contemporary. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So l- l- can I ask you one more like yeah. very technical, you know, detailed question? So, you, you know, um, how how long are your class periods, you know, in, in general at, at Carleton? Uh, 70 minutes. Okay. Uh, uh, so you, so you normally pre pre COVID, you would, you know, talk for an hour or whatever, right. You'd organize your lecture on an hour and no. now. You, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so, <laughs> so what I, what I typically do, um, did pre COVID mm-hmm. is, um, have a bunch of short lectures that are intermixed with, um, with problem set questions. So mm-hmm. the kinds of questions that they're now spending the whole class period doing during COVID times. Okay. So, um, so I would never lecture for more than like 15 or 20 minutes without having mm-hmm. them do small group gotcha. stuff. Okay. Go, great. So w- w- my question was going to be is like, uh, you know, how do you decide what goes in a 20 minute recorded lecture compared to what might've been a longer lecture in person? But it sounds like mm-hmm. you already sort of had kind of 20 minute chunks. Mm-hmm. Did, did did you find that those chunks changed when you were doing yes. recorded? So so mm-hmm. the lecture, um, the the amount of content uh, decreased some, but not very much because okay. as it as it turns out, apparently those like twenty minute chunks were not very efficient. Right? Mm-hmm. It was me like stumbling around in the front of the room, saying um and backtracking a couple of times because mm-hmm. if I just say it right into the camera, it it can be much shorter. Um, and so I opted for like 
short, content-packed, punchy lectures Mm -hmm. um, with the idea being that if something went too fast or they didn't get it, they can always back it up and rewatch it on their own time. And I would rather make them do that than have them just sit there and be bored while they're listening. And, you know, I drone Mm -hmm. on and on. Mm-hmm. So I actually didn't have to cut that much. I just was more efficient, uh, was more efficient about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that did mean that I spent more time editing. So, you know, I would, uh, basically script verbatim the lecture that I was going to give, then deliver it, then edit it. Mm-hmm. And that certainly takes more time than just getting up there and winging it. Like if I, you know, if, if I'm going to teach a class about something that I've taught about a lot before, you know, it's, it's auditory transduction day. Um, I, I could, I don't usually do this, but I could, you know, just be like, oh yeah, this slide. Oh uh, yeah. This is the part where I talk about, uh, sound waves hitting the eardrum, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I did it recorded, I did it in a much more like purposeful and, and scripted way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, one could make an argument. I have seen arguments on Twitter that like doing lecture capture this way, uh, is ridiculous because it is so incredibly time consuming and, um, you know, the editing takes a long time. And if you cut out your ums and uhs, I didn't come, I didn't cut those out, but I did cut it out if I, you know, said something ridiculous or totally lost my train of thought or, Mm -hmm. you know, a kid came in screaming or something. Um, so I've heard people say that that is like, you know, a really inefficient use of time, but I'm thinking about not just the time that I spend doing it, but also the time people spend watching it. Mm -hmm. So if I make a lecture that is an hour long, that could have been 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. and I ask 30 people to watch it, I have wasted a half an hour of 30 people's time, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas if I spend a bit more time doing it myself, I can make something that is like really good that they will actually watch and enjoy uh, and is more like respectful of of their time. So. To be clear, different people do this in different ways. I think there are lots of ways of uh, teaching online well that don't involve polish and, and careful recording. Um, but that's that's the argument that I would make for why why I decided to do it that mm-hmm. way. I like that. Um, and also, well, many many of us will end up teaching the same course again. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm teaching and, sensation and perception again in the winter, and I have the yeah. lectures recorded. I'll change stuff, but you know, I have the books. yeah. Well, you can you can kind of pick and choose what you want to mm-hmm. keep and not, but pr- pr- presumably if you do a better job this time or, or, you know, last time, whatever, if you do a better job, whatever time you're currently on the next time you will also benefit from this too. Right. Exactly. So like it is, I, I really like the idea of, of being respectful of your students time, but I also think kind of selfishly um, it also benefits us to do a better mm-hmm. job because well, at least for me, if I rush something, I, I, I can rush something and think, Oh, I could do better, but I don't have time. But then next time I'm going to redo it because I knew it wasn't good. So then you end up spending that time every semester instead of doing it right once and, uh, and being done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, I don't know if you exactly said what I'm about to say. And if you did, I'm sorry. I've heard a suggestion, um, uh, for, you know, for recordings that, you know, if you don't know what you want to say, so one option is like you type it all out ahead of time and then you read it. Another option, which is what I'm sharing, is you wing it, but then, you know, uh, having, having winged it, having winged it, um, <laughs> you, you, you go back and like transcribe what you said and do it again, right? Oh, with, with, you know, with the benefit of having a script. And of course, you can fix all the stuff that didn't go well and whatever. Sure. So basically, rather than having to think it through in your head, like, uh, ima- imagine what you were going to say, you just mm-hmm. do it and then you kind of edit it and then do it again. 
Um, yeah, and that that's seems like that could be, especially for people who are, are used to sort of winging it. And of course you don't have to read it verbatim. If you want to oh, put in right. a different yeah, joke, yeah. you can, mm-hmm. but like it sort of gives you a structure of how you normally progress through a lecture as opposed to having to write out bullet points in an outline and, and it maybe for some people having it feel a little bit um, like stilted. Yeah, that's a really nice idea. Um, the one thing that I found is often as I was scripting, or at least like writing a detailed outline of what I was going to say, um, it often made me like change the order that I presented stuff or move slides around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're, if you're doing it, the trying it, trying it, winging it first way, it seems like it would be harder to do that. Mm-hmm. But if you're pretty set, if you, you know, if you're pretty sure about what the structure is going to be and the order you're going to present things in, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's a great suggestion. Mm-hmm. So there has been a lot of conversation uh, about how to teach online classes effectively and a lot of people sharing resources and all of that. Um, but I was talking with a, with a colleague of mine, um, my friend Emily, the other day about, about teaching, um, about she's also teaching online in the fall, and she was asking whether uh, the students are getting any training on how to be a good online student. Mm. And like, what are, the, what are the habits of mind and strategies for taking classes online that are different from, you know, even if they are seniors and they have spent a lot of time figuring out how to study effectively and manage their time on campus and all of that, um, suddenly it's very different. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about how, and I'm not sure whether Carleton as an institution or other places, um, you know, are are doing this officially as part of their, I don't know, like introduction to, I I, I don't know. I don't know if this is being done systematically at Carleton or elsewhere. Um, But I have been thinking about what strategies and techniques I'm going to suggest to my students. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and it seems like one of the things, so, so, so there's a bunch of things, but the, the differences, um, the most um, kind of salient differences to me, it seemed that um, given what we know about attention and the fact that dividing attention and multitasking uh, impairs uh, the amount of information that we are able to successfully encode um, that it is much easier to multitask and mess around during an online class than, than in person, mm-hmm. right? You, if you're in class and you're bored out of your mind, you still probably are just going to sit there and maybe mess around with your phone if you're brave. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that I think um, I'm going to talk about with my students, and I, I talked about this little spring term, but I'm going to do it more in the fall, um, is, is kind of showing them some data on multitasking and mm-hmm. talking about uh, uh, the, the most effective ways to process and encode information. Um, and, and I don't, I don't know that if that's actually going to have any consequences, but you know, when I'm doing the, how to be successful in this now online class, one of the things that I want to emphasize is just like treat it like it's a real class. Like when mm-hmm. you're watching the lecture, don't have other tabs open and don't have your phone next to it and take notes and listen carefully and think mm-hmm. deeply about it. Um, even though it's kind of hard, that hardness is is what makes it work. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's also like kind of a, a, a I don't know what the right word is. Um, there are other things we learn apart from content, right? Like we also mm-hmm. are working on focusing attention and mm-hmm. and comprehension and like logical thinking. So it's sort of like the 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 meta parts of education mm-hmm. uh, are also important. And I think you know, yeah, I think that that's also beneficial. Um, also time management stuff. So when classes, especially if you just have a bunch of asynchronous classes, uh, I feel like it is going to be very hard for students to 
you know, f- um, maintain a schedule and keep track of what they're supposed to do when. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I always push in classes, and I will especially do this term, is it is totally essential that at the start of the term, you come up with some system for keeping track of when stuff is due and some kind of vague plan of when you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So actually, you know, writing down every due date when you get all of your syllabi, writing down every due date in some kind of calendar so you can see where the work is lumpy. Um, and and then also like coming up with some kind of schedule that of course you can change if it doesn't work or things come up, but where you say, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna work on this class, these hours of this day, and and really like set those as an appointment with yourself that you try to keep. Mm-hmm. Um and setting those hours in in the the time that you've think is actually going to work for you. So if you're a morning person, setting those hours in the morning. If you have, uh, you know, family at home, setting those hours in the time where you think people are going to be quieter. Mm-hmm. Um, but really trying to have some kind of, st- enforcing some kind of structure given that that won't be enforced here. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, the other the other thing that I will certainly tell them is that um, uh, this is these are hard times. Mm-hmm. And it is totally normal to be frustrated and overwhelmed and feel like you're falling behind and mm-hmm. um, and to be gentle on yourself and figure out what works well for you. Seek out support as you need it. Come talk to me whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, just just um, empathizing and reinforcing that I get that this is a hard way to go to college. You know, one thing I some of the feedback I got in the spring was that um, the online learning generally was harder for people. And I think it's a combination of professors not not doing it well because we didn't have time to prepare or because it's, it's all new for us mm-hmm. and people being in different situations and not having the built-in structure. But a lot of comments about just being difficult to keep track of all the due dates and mm-hmm. um, just things like that, that that seemed more challenging when there wasn't this kind of campus culture to yeah. support it. Um, and so I actually found in the spring, I, I scaled back quite a bit, the amount of material that I would normally cover. Um, and I felt a little bad about it, but then I didn't because actually I I got a lot of comments, um, thanking me for that. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. and and explicitly, um, also telling me that other professors were not doing that. And it was very hard. So they're trying to get through their, you know, they, they had a normal plan and they were just trying to get through the normal plan, which I, I understand, but I think it was hard. So I think. Um, as we're transitioning to hybrid and online, I think, you know, for some classes, maybe you can do exactly the same topics as you did before. But I think assuming that that's the case is probably uh, dangerous, right? Yeah. So just thinking about the, you know, anyway, how easy things are to communicate in synchronous versus asynchronous or online versus not, and just the other challenges that the students have too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, anyway, when in, when in doubt, you know, I would back off a little bit on the, on the content. Mm -hmm. And also, of course, be keeping in mind that uh, the way that this is hard is disproportionately affecting some students more Mm -hmm. than others. Um, Right. When I, some of the students that I talked to who said, you know, uh, my parents have a powerful Wi-Fi router and I have my own room and it's far away from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no rioting in my neighborhood um, mm-hmm. are in a very different situation from, you know, some other students who I talked to who have a really small living space with lots of siblings in it and the Wi-Fi cuts out and, you know, there's social unrest all around them. And so, um, 
uh, I mean, there's all kinds of there's been all kinds of conversation in COVID about how COVID and the the fallout disproportionately affects um, people of color and uh, uh, and and you know and for us it is um, that is of course clearly the case and also things like access to internet and you know quiet spaces to work along mm-hmm. with just the headspace to think about you know cognitive neuroscience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's just, you know, so important that we all continue to be mindful of, of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, and I think, um, well, that's where I, I do like the async, you know, having things be asynchronous with, mm-hmm. with not tight time deadlines, I think mm-hmm. is very useful. Um, and then I feel bad because actually, you know, as I said, this semester, I'm going to be more synchronous because there's so much discussion, but mm-hmm. um, hopefully I'll be, you know, be uh, forgiving and, and, and kind of give people a lot of flexibility about when, when they can join or not, as long as they can join, you know, mm-hmm. a, enough. Yes. Um, hopefully that or, okay. or even, you know, alternatives to yeah. like other, other ways of participating, right. if not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's where, that's where I also think like having, you know, Slack workspaces that, that people yeah. actually use is really good because you can do lots of discussion and participation that doesn't have to be during you know, one o'clock to two thirty on a Tuesday and Thursday right. to to kind of benefit from the the class interaction. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much of this. <laughs> I'm wondering how much of this we're you know if we like if we come back and listen to this episode in six months, be like, wow, we did not uh we did not appreciate challenges X Y Z that were coming. Yeah. Or well, yeah, we should anymore. we should we should come back and do like an end of end of term follow up. You know, and and just yeah. yeah. But anyway, I think that this was very useful for me. Um, and hearing more about how you're structuring things. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, And I think just, you know, because part of it's like specific, specific ideas, like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do a Slack workspace too, which, which Mm -hmm. can be really useful. And part of it's about like the philosophy that will look different in implementation for different Mm -hmm. people. But like, there's an overall, you know, how, how do we think about these things and what, what do we spend our time working on? um, Mm -hmm. That I think is pretty general. Yeah. And I want to do a little callback to the episode that we did uh, in the early days of the pandemic in which I said, all we can do is the best we can do. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks very much for listening. Please keep your emails coming. We, uh, we really, really love to hear from you um, both with your feedback about what the episodes, um, uh, how you like the episodes and also what you would like to hear uh, more of in future episodes. You can um, contact us, of course, at thejuiceandsqueeze at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at JuiceSqueezePod. And our website is JuiceAndSqueeze.net. Yep. And, and, you know, this week, especially if you, as a student or a teacher, have specific things that have worked or not, uh, we'd love to hear about them because, well, we're planning our classes and we'd love to use your ideas. And maybe we can incorporate them in some follow-up at the start of our next episode. Yep. Sounds great. All right. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time. All right. Bye, everybody.